Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, episode number 100. We're officially in the digits. Hey, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toto Scriptura. I can't read today. I'm Cody Fields, president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects and barely literate. Check us out at westminstereffects.com for your guitar effects and make sure you join in the discussion on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Also, make sure you subscribe and share the show. Joining me in person, per usual, in his esteemed office is... Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina, and currently wearing zip-off bottom pants. Oh, that's right. I did not notice that. That is... Much to my that, wife's protest. That I, screams 2003. It does. Do you, have, I love, do you have the bottom halves with you just in case? I'm wearing on, them. They're on. They're on. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. Is, is this what you recorded the sermon in today? No. I didn't oh. preach this week, so I got to wear, oh, my, that's I got right. to wear my zip-off that's pants. That's right. We have Keith preaching this week. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And uh, also, as usual, per the interwebs. Hey, everybody. John yourself. Ross here. Interrupted. Westminster effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, root beer enthusiast from Lincoln, Nebraska. Man, no, neither of your introductions flew off the rails this week. I am no. proud. I am yeah. very proud. Um, and also, special guest this week for episode 100, we have one, Brian Morris, Say as is tradition. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, so we figured since... Half of this podcast is content driven by you. <laughs> it was only fitting to bring you on the show and find out well, who is Brian Morris? Who is this guy? Yeah, not, not, not a ton. I guess the uh, easy thing would be I'm a husband to Vanessa, father to Haddon. So the listeners hear noises in the background. That's him watching Blippi. Um, and I am the associate pastor of Faith Southern Baptist Church in Moreno Valley, California. Very cool. So in, I guess in California, you know, here in the Bible Belt, if you see Baptist Church, it's, everyone assumes it's an SBC church, right? So I guess in California, you have to kind of differentiate even in the church name between SBC and like American Baptist, right? To some extent, um, I mean, given that, uh, our local, and I'll spare everybody on Southern Baptist politics because it's really boring, um, but our local association, the Inland Empire Southern Baptist Association, is like mm-hmm. the second or third largest in the United States. Oh, wow. So Southern Baptist in the Inland Empire, which is just a really big name for like Riverside County, San Bernardino County, and a few other places, yeah. um, has a ton of Southern Baptist churches, and they all kind of look the same. Though one thing, like we've got a handful of Reformed Baptist churches too. So there's mm-hmm. even in our building, because uh, we've got a building that seven other churches share, there is a Reformed Baptist church, which is Christ Redeemer Reformed Baptist Church, which I mentioned that because uh, if anyone's familiar with the page 1689 Society or Martin Medina, he's the pastor and uh, he's a friend of mine. So gotcha. they're just Very cool. the next building over. Very cool. And how old is your Chirin? Um, He's two. So. Gotcha. 
Something which like which that. explains the noisiness and watching videos, right? Yeah. That never really ends, to be fair. Bradley can back Brian, did you that. say that seven other churches share the building that you guys use? Something like that. So we own the building. Okay. Um, and then on Sunday morning, we have a Spanish church that meets upstairs, or Spanish-speaking church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have the other church that meets the sa- right around the same time we do. And then Saturday night... A- an Egyptian church meets and then we have Mm. another building that's like a mile down the road um, that a couple churches and businesses meet in. So I don't know the full details of it. Um, I haven't gotten the chance to sit down and chat with the property manager about it. It's, it's a little confusing. Hmm. Yeah. We have enough (laughs) challenges with, you know, with the church at Greer station renting from us. And that's just two. (laughs) <laughs> in one property, yeah. much less seven. That's that's yeah, actually got, pretty incredible. We've got quite a few different chapels, so um, okay, kind of helps. Gotcha. And we have a bookstore. Oh, so you're basically a shopping mall then? Kind of <laughs> <laughs> taking a taking a page out of uh, Willow Creek, right? With a whole lot less members. <laughs> <laughs> fewer members, fewer book deals, etc. Right? How long have you been there, Brian? I started as associate pastor in January, so real soon or real recent. Mm. What's your What's your primary role there? Right now, so my title is associate pastor, and I kind of just do whatever they kind of need to do, which is not super helpful. Um, but at least it's not super helpful description, rather. Um, mm. And so, following like COVID and everything, my role changed, given that this church is 52 years old and in terms of technology we're about 30 years behind mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. me coming on as you know a millennial uh i was able to do our video i was able to do our recording for music and then i was recording the senior pastor for preaching and then i occasionally preach as well so i preached um this past sunday on Psalm 46. Um, and then the goal is that in December, December or January of this upcoming year, uh, the senior pastor of 34 or 36 years will retire. The one who bought all the technology you're still using. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, the funny thing is I ended up using my iPad and mm-hmm. a lot of like my stuff and then like the worship or the not worship minister, his music minister is his title. Um, he, like came up with like a microphone and stuff and like rigged it all together and we made it all work. But we didn't have like a tripod. We ended up using a stack of hymnals on a computer cart. That yeah. sounds familiar, doesn't iPad. it, Bradley? Love it, man. I love it. And then and then we bought a tablet and uh, yeah. uh, like just a Samsung tablet and a tripod and stuff and just made that work for what we're doing now. Since we've got a lot of shut-ins, we wanted to continue the live stream. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Now, do you do, I think I've seen on the group that you do some music leading sometimes as well, right? Yeah. So the church that I just, that sent me out, I was like regular every week playing electric guitar. Now it's a little different where we have a piano player who I think she's 90 years old. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. It, yeah, uh, and I'm super thankful when she's there, but with the coronavirus stuff, she's decided she's going to stay home, and I think mm-hmm. that's yeah. reasonable. So I've, I'll lead um, music when, now until she's ready to come back. Mm. 
And then, so like, <laughs> except for this past Sunday, I didn't because I didn't want to do double duty of preaching and playing guitar. For sure. I can do it, but preaching's tiring enough as it is. So. I've, I've done uh, liturgy and announcements and, and readings and all that while I've been on, on rhythm for the week. And uh, it, it's not just a mechanical issue. You know, it, it's a complete like mindset change. Like you've, you've got to completely change hats. At least that was my experience uh, between moving between those, those two things. Because um, the rhythm, you know, the rhythm guitar section is, is over on the, the left hand side of the stage. So it's not, uh, it's not front and center where, uh, where you'd expect the announcements and other leadership roles uh, to occur. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've had some, some awkward uh, uh, like mental transitions. Being like, okay, just worked up a crazy sweat play in that one. Uh, now <laughs> it's time to uh, now you know now it's time to, to go read scripture, uh, but uh, yeah maybe I just need to em- embrace the sweat like uh, in, just like like Stephen Furtick, and uh, <laughs> you, know. you just you went there you went I there did. didn't you I did he's he's he, he's he is a buff sweaty man who needs who needs a smidgen of hermeneutical assistance but uh we'll we'll, we'll leave that aside just a smidge just a smidge i will say there's a great irony in the fact that furtick and i both have master of divinity from the same seminaries and clearly are on two completely different realm or spectrum whatever yeah yeah. completely different ends of the spectrum in that hey a lot uh, a lot of people have mbas uh, but uh, their businesses went bankrupt, so you know it doesn't necessarily uh, one one to one to the yeah. other. Well, he, not that, he, not he that I'm his, saying uh, anything. He in did particular. his undergrad at North Greenville, which is also my alma mater. So do it that what you will. We need to have Steven on the show. Hey, if anyone knows, get vertical. <laughs> <laughs> <If anyone. laughs> Wouldn't that be a riot? This week, oh, Brian Mortis. Next week, Stephen Furtick. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You heard it here first, folks. Started going downhill with me. So. <laughs> I was going to say that was going downhill after you. <laughs> <laughs> Episode's not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We got the Inquisition to get through. And speaking of, uh, one of, one of the things that like every week when I make the uh, the Inquisition post, like you post, yeah, three, four, five, sometimes six or seven questions, <laughs> and and they're pretty good questions. How sometimes. does so? How how do you come up with all of these good questions every single week? So something that's interesting, and I kind of even. Um, I was half like worried that you were just going to take all the worst questions I asked and just this episode was going to be you throwing those terrible <laughs> <laughs> So I went back and looked at questions for a few posts for a while, a couple days ago. Um, and I noticed even, and I'm sure even if people were to go back and listen, my questions have gotten more intelligent and less goofy. Because <laughs> um, at one point I asked a question like, uh, would you rather have grape juice with John MacArthur or grape nuts with John Piper? Um, <laughs> did, we, did we answer that? I, I'm not, I don't I, think so. I'm pretty sure we did. Add that to the list. Yeah. We, need, we need to revisit that one. You may Gra- have. And then I also grape nuts, one of 100%. <laughs> that makes sense. I asked another question about like what John Piper's starting Pokemon would be, but I understand not tackling that because I realize now like I don't imagine two of the three of you even know all that many Pokemon for an answer. But 
even <laughs> so, as time's gone on, especially since like November, a lot of my questions have been related to my own ministry. So things it, right. like it would be chancy, couple- by the way. It would be chancy, <laughs> full, full of care and just constant enjoyment and contentment. See, I was thinking it would be Shelter because it's the seashell Pokemon. Mm. But there you go. How happy he'd be about that. There you go. I don't know what's happening right now. I, I, did, I did the Pokemon thing years ago when it first came out, but I haven't touched it since like hey, seventh grade. So only a select, only a select few can be the very best, Cody. Like no my one son, ever my son begged me, begged me to take him to the Pokemon movie that came out. I don't know, a year or two ago. Yeah. And I had to take my eyelids open. It was the worst thing I'd, I ever had to endure in my life. You but I, clear, I, You've clearly never watched it, Tommy. Was I but. did it for my son. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's, I, that's I, the first Tommy Wiseau reference. We, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, so it really was that bad then. For me, it was. He loved it. He absolutely yeah. loved it. Um, He's young. He has time. Yeah, I mean he's he's 14 now, but uh, and he's a big Lego, Pokemon, yeah, uh, Star Wars. There are, guy. there are definitely worse things. There are. I I've had to educate myself. I mean I'm I'm all on board that Star Wars train. Yeah, I, I like Star Wars. I, I like Star. I'm Wars. getting. I'm spending a lot of this pandemic teaching, or whatever's left of it, teaching my son Star Wars and Marvel characters, and he's doing real well. There you go. Great. There you go. Yeah, I awesome. was a big Star Wars nut when I was a kid. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we found the common ground, folks, as if there weren't any already. So, your, your <laughs> questions have gotten more intelligent somehow. Uh, yeah. Continue that thought. Yeah, and so now it's – so there are Questions like there was one you guys tackled about um, moving from a hymnal to a projector. I didn't want to move away from hymns. I just wanted to get people to look up so they'd start singing, mm-hmm. which is funny because the end of solution to that was the fact that hymnals aren't recommended now because you can't sanitize them. Yep. Uh, hmm. And then so things like that and even just getting the church to move forward 30 years, which is funny because... It's not that they're resistant to it. It's just they don't know what to do, which is mm. interesting mm-hmm. because most of them have been in that church for... 20, 30 years, so yep. all they've seen is what they've done. Um, so now that's kind of at the heart of a lot of it. Even the one question that was, I think it was two or three episodes ago, um, with the pastoral secession, um, which was super helpful, by the way, if I didn't already comment on that. Um, that was just something that as I was trying to kind of further encourage my senior pastor, and like, how are we going to make this transition smooth and successful? Especially following uh, a pastor of 30 plus years and me coming in to a church that, yeah, it's statistics are not in my favor, um, Mm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So it's really a matter of seeing and kind of making sure this ends well. And Mm. um, I've got a lot of really good support. And even like the senior pastor is super just like excited for making the transition work well. Um, The other thing is I kind of, I keep a note pad on my phone or not like a note whatever it's called in the apple notes app um, mm-hmm. of just like questions to ask occasionally so if something pops in my head i just write it down there and then a lot of times things don't actually get posted mm. um, I, so, so so what you're saying is that what you post every week has actually been pared down sometimes mm. so <laughs> here's here's the real question though you have all of these questions they've gotten more and more relevant intelligent 
deep diving. Why are we the ones who know the answers? I think that's that's the real question is why do you think we know the answers to them? <laughs> Maybe I don't think you know the answers. <laughs> um, no, I, and part of the other thought is just there are a few questions that I've thought like what would make a really interesting podcast episode and you guys have just been um, – I don't want to use the word silly, maybe silly enough to actually answer them. Yeah. So it's kind of on you. Because <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah. No. I've emailed questions to other podcasts and they haven't been tackled. And sometimes they were good questions. Sometimes they were not. Um, pretty much nothing's changed. So. <laughs> I mean, well, shoot, you know, after, uh, after over two years... And a hundred episodes, uh, you know, we're indebted to you and the other listeners who do ask the questions, uh, because in our own experiences, we can only think of so many things, mm-hmm. and you know, we pray that news cycles slow down and we don't have another headline every every couple days that that needs to be addressed from a, a Christian perspective uh, necessarily. Um, so yeah, we're we're incredibly thankful to to you and the listeners for all of the questions that we get because it helps us keep the material relevant to to you guys. Uh, that you have something uh, meaningful uh, to listen to in the midst of the uh, uh, the silliness and things like that, which which we do. John, enjoy. are you are you calling Brian the listenership federal head? You know, is, I think is that I where you're be. going with that? I think I might be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just roll with it, right? Can we can we call him like the Pope of the people or the the Pope of the Gosh. podcast? Mm. The do- the Doxology podcast Pope. Mm. Yep, there we go. <laughs> I like that. Given what Luther said about the Pope, I don't know if I like those <laughs> uh, implications. <laughs> Bradley's over here grimacing. So, can we uh, can we get the Westminster W cut as like a miter and you just like wear it all the time? Because that would be legit. Wait. <laughs> oh, on that on that note, shall we uh, shall we go to the Inquisition? <laughs> Let's do it. So I guess I'm today's Inquisitor. Um... Yeah, yep. so we've got quite a f- and and no one expected you, so uh, so the comedy the comedy bit still stands. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a really good question um, that's going to be guys. I'll just go in order, but they're just going to it's going to be buried in here that I will say was posted last week by Ryan Eigel, and I was going to tag him if he didn't, so I'm glad he asked it again. Um, but yeah, so this is episode 100, which congratulations on that. That's not. A feat a lot of podcast meet. Um, the first question would be: Are there any like specific podcast milestones you guys have that you were really excited to meet, or that you didn't think would ever happen? Hmm. Just the fact that anybody listened at all. <laughs> you know? Yeah. For for uh, me, it's 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 how active the community is around it. Yeah. Yeah, you know how active. Like we started this thing, and and we put the the podcast lounge into play. Jeez, I don't remember what episode 
era that went live on, but um, like we'd been doing it for a while, and we're like, oh, let's let's try this out, and uh, and it's like the number one source of notifications on my phone now is activity hmm. in the podcast lounge, and and yeah, all of yeah. these people who are in like worship guitar sounds and gear talk praise and worship and 60 cycle hum praise and worship and worship tutorials whatever and worship leaders plus and worship leaders plus topics and all of these groups which are just renowned for being useful but incredibly toxic uh are (laughs) happen to be listening to 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 our show and engaging with one another in a healthy way and in seeking uh, encouragement and advice uh, in a forum that hasn't degraded uh, to the level of the others uh, on an open group. Uh, you know, and that's yeah. I, I think that is is pretty impressive in its own right. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I would totally agree with that. That the group hasn't had a like some person come in who's just incredibly toxic and like create hmm. a fight or something. Unless I just don't know about yeah. it. Cody, have you banned anybody? No, I have not I had banned anybody yet. So I'm sure it'll happen one day. I mean, <laughs> episode's we, not we, over yet. We'll we, we are uh, we are big believers in total depravity here at the Doctor. Yes, yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so it'll happen eventually. I have declined uh, some people from who have who have requested to join because I could tell they were just spam, like spam bots. Yeah. And uh, but if I mean if it's a legitimate account, like I'll just go ahead and let it in, and. Uh, yeah, we've we've had no issues. Yeah, don't start selling uh, knockoff shoes in the podcast lounge. That ain't gonna fly. <laughs> <laughs> See other uh, other milestones. You guys have any? Um, or uh, the rest of the question is favorite episodes yeah. or favorite ah, yes, Inquisition right. question. Uh, so any anything for you there, Bradley? Any any moments or episodes? I mean, having Brian Onkin on for a couple episodes. I thought that was fantastic. I don't know uh, how, if people in the group responded or liked that or not, but I thought that was really helpful. Um, I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed having Seth Kane on. Yep. Um, Corey Truax. Yep. That was a fun episode. Yep. And then and then we brought him back a few months ago, and well, Mm -hmm. that was that was just a me and him episode when. Yeah, people were out of town and whatnot. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, my dad has been on several times. Yeah, check him out at the All Seven Days podcast. We've had uh, Jesse Harper from our church on mm-hmm. a couple times. Uh, the episode that I did with Dwayne Atkinson of the Bar Podcast was a whole lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, also relevant for some of the stuff that's going on right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but that that was a really fun conversation. Um, what else? I just think it's hilarious that still the most listened to episode is uh, when we broke down Reckless Love. Mm. <laughs> that is still the most listened to podcast. I'm not surprised by that. I mean, that, uh, that song was such a controversial song and people yeah. people got all up in arms about it. But yeah. I, I'm not surprised that was, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think there to. are legitimately people out there who are craving intellect or who at least were craving intellectual discussion on on that and not just uh it's art art doesn't matter nah nah you know like that is it, 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 to a, at a point that just becomes not helpful and i'll answer the the last question that you typed out on there brian of why is cody not answering the questions about the designated hitter in the national league and that is because 
I'm trying to put off thinking about that as long as possible because the designated hitter is like baseball heresy for me. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody should be able to handle a bat, even though I never really hit very well. But we're going to be deprived of the likes of Babe Ruth and Babe Ruth and, well, but also like Shohei Otani. Like if he went to the National League, that would be really fun to watch. Mm. Um, or uh, I think of um, like Madison Bumgarner or when Clayton Kershaw uh, threw a, a one nothing shutout and the only run was driven in when he hit a homer. Hmm. Or that magical moment when Bartolo Colon <laughs> managed to to hit that dinger, and uh, that was ooh. anyway. Have you guys watched the thirty for thirty on McGuire and Sosa yet? Not yet. I need to. Man, that's good. That was that was such a legendary season. It was. But Just, did, Mark McGuire was a pitcher when he came into college, mm. um, and then they transitioned him to first base but that was a good move it it was a really good really good 30 for 30 yeah that was that was just so much fun keeping track of baseball that season yeah like what's he such a oh go ahead so such a toxic person for the cubs so i'm a cubs fan i was born in uh wheaton illinois um so i've not been in california my whole life but uh for cubs fans they either love or despise sammy sosa really Remarkable, yeah, because he said some pretty shady stuff, and yeah, it's the true. corked bat, the steroids, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They they talk about that a little bit in that thirty for thirty, um, and I I didn't know this, but he hasn't been back to Wrigley Field in I don't know how many years, long time, really long yeah. time, and I didn't realize I didn't even know about that strained relationship between him and Chicago fans. Yeah, but he's he's the, come out recently pers- and said that he's open to coming back. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only person I think the Cubs fans hated more was, oh gosh, I can't remember his name. The guy who reached over the wall and oh yeah, oh yeah, cost the Cubs I remember the game. that. Yep, <laughs> he played for. He got a ring when they won in 2016. Bartman, Steve Bartman. That's it. Bart- yeah, yeah. Yep. Steve Bartman. So, uh, Brian, rattle off that next question. Yeah. Um, so Brad Speed asked, what's the worst sport mascot you've ever encountered? Uh, he gives the example of the Immaculate Conception fighting pelicans. <laughs> and the follow-up to that is, why do 99.9% of Christian schools use crusaders, lions, or eagles when you've got other awesome biblical options like behemoth, teeth crushers, or uh, this might force you to put an explicit on your episode talking ass <laughs> <laughs> so so uh bradley this will probably bring back memories for you okay. since since the schools that we went to used to be rivals back in the day yep and Southside christian always hosted an annual basketball tournament called christian cup yep and it was a big deal at least for us yep. like we treated it like march madness people would get out of class go down to the gym and see who was playing. And, you know, as schools from all over the Southeast would come for this tournament. And the worst one I remember was a homeschool co-op team whose mascot was the Ambassadors. <laughs> now, what, what are you going to use, diplomacy from the free throw line? Oh, my God. That is not instilling fear into the hearts of your enemies. <laughs> so, so. Uh, back in my – well, not technically in my hometown, across the river um, – so I grew up in Clinton, Iowa. Across the river in Fulton, Illinois, uh, was a school called Unity Christian. 
and their mascot was the Knights, the Fulton Unity Christian Knights. Yes! Do the math. Yes! (laughs) The University of California mascots, they've got some pretty bad ones. Um, UC Santa Cruz. The Banana banana slugs. Slugs. Yes! And then Irvine are the Anteaters. So they're creative, but not very, you know, intimidating. Yeah. I think my, my college was the Bulldogs. My uh, uh, my high school, which was not a, I mean, it was a public school. But it was the River Kings. So, there were, you know, there were some cool ones uh, there. But, yeah, you do see a lot of Crusaders and Knights and things like that. I mean, probably because the, uh, oh, what is that? The... Uh, the Crimson Cross logo. The uh, um, um, this actually uh, probably goes into that Freemason question that we're uh, <laughs> uh, that that we're going. What is it called? The uh, the Knights of the uh, Round Table. Oh, no. They dance when they're at the Round Table. Uh, oh shoot! The it's Knights Templar. The Knights Templar. Yes, with the with the white shield with the red cross. I mean, that's always like the thing for the Crusaders, right? Yeah, and. Uh, Yes, the Knights Templar. Thank you. My undergrad is the Lancers. Okay, sure. Which, Christian private school, so mm. fits in that same stereotype. Mm-hmm. I used to I'm, I used to drive a Lancer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got any off the top of your head? I, I'm other, trying other, to think. Other than like us being Clemson fans, other than the Gamecocks, because it's literally a chicken. Yeah, yeah. That I, that would probably be the the best one I could come up with as far as worst mascots i mean i just think it's so obnoxious when that they got that <laughs> cockadoodle do going on you know actually the, you want to you want to know the most obnoxious mascot in uh, in sports history i feel like for this me is at a least, dumb and dumber moment the nebraska Cornhuskers. for me <laughs> that is the most annoying mascot because it is everywhere you're not like, no one has no one has a choice like yeah. you're anywhere else in the world, you have a choice. In Nebraska, you ain't got no choice. That's true. That's true. My high school was the Crusaders. Yeah, my college was too. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't get it. I did a in in my speech class, my freshman sophomore year. I did a I did a persuasive speech on why they should change their name from the Crusaders, and it basically came down to like you look at the winning percentage of the Crusades, and it it wasn't pretty. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they went like two and eleven. Like that'll get you a that'll get you a, a number one pick. You could have one a mascot of uh, you know like for a Christian school the Elijah She Bears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that came out and ate the children. Yes. <laughs> That's terrible, isn't it? That's terrible. That'd be that, great. Th- no, that would be awesome. <laughs> the She Bears. The the whatever Christian Old University She Bears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their their uh their fight song would have to be like go up you bald head yeah <laughs> <laughs> that could be their yeah you could have the like like Auburn's got four different mascots right so you could have the a, a she like a bear and then a bald prophet you know yes. as your <laughs> and and then they I actually don't know why like, no, I don't know why anyone, go together any, no one's way. used like the four horsemen right you know like oh yeah. The Pro- apocalypse. Probably because nobody wants to be uh, accidentally associated with Richard Dawkins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hit, hit that next one, Brian. Yep. And so the next one is we got Dustin Beeman asked, this when and one. where should Christians set up their autonomous zone like in Seattle? 
Oh, my goodness. <laughs> in, any Dispies in the crowd want to say Jerusalem? <laughs> <laughs> Dispies. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Corey Truax actually did a, a segment about this in, uh, in this week's episode that I thought was pretty thought-provoking. Like, he wasn't a- a- outright advocating, like, yes, let's go do this thing. Uh, but but on a at least on a thought experiment level, we actually have a lot more open space in the U.S. than we tend to think. Like, there's a whole lot of open space in Wyoming, the Dakotas, mm-hmm. Idaho, Montana, uh, even Texas um, has has a pretty good amount of open space where where it could be feasible to say, yeah, go set up your thing. Maybe even here's some grant money. I'm not saying I agree with any of this. It's just interesting to think about. Uh, like here, go try life the way you think it should be in this area for a little bit, and we'll see how it goes. Hmm. And uh, like, I, I think that's interesting to think about. And you could have you could have like your your antifa types. You could have uh, you know a basically what amounts to a Christian autonomous zone, if you will. You could compare how how each of those works, and then in ten years look at the results you know uh pretty sure that would be the hunger games trilogy is uh, is, <laughs> is, is how that would turn out well i was just imagining it would be wheaton illinois which is i had a professor refer to as the evangelical mecca hmm <laughs> yeah. the largest amount of church per capita you know there uh i i've never i've never been there and i i don't really only know of it uh via association but up in uh, uh shalon washington um, up in the mountains, there is a uh, a, com- a community. I mean, there's people there all year all year round, but usually during the winter, and it's called the the Holden community, and uh, it's it's not like run by the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. That's the ELCA, the the like super leftist, like liberal, uh, nominally Lutheran sect. Um, but man, he just went out and called him a sect. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, they they ain't cool. Uh but yeah, it's uh it's it's a community where, you know, it's not like a compound or anything, but it's it's a little town. You have to take a ferry to get there. It's it's pretty much hmm. off the map. Um and you know, they have they have morning prayer and evening prayer, you know, every day and it's it's communal in a sense, but I don't know. I'd imagine that that would be the the idealistic version of a, a Christian autonomous zone. Um, there is a beautiful uh, evening prayer setting uh, that was written uh, by a composer named Marty Haugen, uh, and it, it, it really is beautiful. Uh, it's a fantastic evening prayer setting uh, that was written for the like the 1985 winter community at, at Holden, and uh, and I've done that uh, a number of times, and uh, that that's how I how I knew about it to, to begin with. But, yeah, you can look it up online. It, uh, I mean, it seems legit. Bradley, you just tapped out on that one. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I can't say that I've given this a whole lot of thought. Right. Um, but the notion of, if, if I'm understanding this right, like Christians would get a piece of land somewhere in the United States mm-hmm. and huddle there. Effectively. It sounds uh, kind of like a Benedict option or something like that. But I just, I don't, I, I can't, when you look at the Bible, all throughout biblical history, 
what has God seemed to, it seems to really matter to God that his people don't huddle mm-hmm. in one place too too much for too long. Right. Go back to the Tower of Babel. I mean, the God's sovereign wisdom in the persecution that hit Jerusalem after uh, Pentecost and, you know, scattered his people. And, and the Great Commission is to the ends of the earth. And there seems to be this, I, I'm not one of these that the Christians should, you know, the, the kingdom advancement means that Christians are taking over all the places of influence in society. And right. then, you know, at the end of it all, you're we, not, you're not a seven mountain guy. No, I'm not. I'm not a seven <laughs> mountain guy. Um, but I do think the church is meant to gather and scatter, gather and scatter, gather and scatter. And yep. we, we scatter into the world as salt and light. Um, and not for the sake of taking over in politics or, you know, positions of power. If Christians ascend to those places, great. But it, it that's not the, – the point is not to turn America into a Christian nation or get, you know, granted some piece of real estate in America where, you know, the government says, okay, go do your Christian thing over there, but don't go outside of these borders. That yeah. just feels anti-biblical to yeah. me. It's And, and it, there's a difference in saying that, you know, part of, part of the gospel is taking over – getting votes that kind of thing and and recognizing that for lack of a better term when a society is christianized then there are going to be political consequences Mm -hmm. because people are going to vote for certain things and certain laws Mm -hmm. will end up being enacted that reflect the culture that like the cultural transformation that's taking place right yeah 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 I, I don't, I don't, you know, you look at all of Paul's letters and I don't see anywhere where he's railing against the system mm-hmm. and calling the church to be uh, sort of a, you know, militant. Yeah, a, a militant movement to change the system. And nor does he ever call the Christians to isolate themselves. But I, I see you giving me that sideways look because of church militant and stuff like that. But you know what we mean, John. I know, I know. <laughs> Yes, the uh, the Lutheran service book has a whole section of the hymnal called the Church Militant. Yes, uh, but yeah. that's just the church now, the church, yes. the church living the Christian life. Yeah, onward, yes. Christian soldiers. Yes, do that next one, Brian. All right, so this is my question for the week. Um, it was a little bit of a setup. So you have so- someone else is scheduled to preach. They get sick Saturday night. You've been notified last minute. You've got 12 hours to prepare a sermon. What text are you going to? Mm. Or a Sunday school lesson, if that's easier to help you think. I'm going to probably whatever I'm... It, if, you know, now, if there's a... It depends, because like here at Res, we we teach through books of the Bible. So we teach expository. So um, if I've got 12 hours... And we're teaching, like right now, we're teaching through the book of James. So if Keith gets sick tomorrow night and can't show up, I'm going to dive into that text that we're, we're, lotted, you know, we're slotted to, um, to teach on. You know, if, if, I, if I didn't, you know, hypothetically, if I didn't have that, I probably would go to my personal devotion, whatever I've been stewing on personally, and mm-hmm. just sort of go from, so to speak, go from the heart uh, with whatever I'm wrestling with personally, uh, maybe. Um, I'm not a big f- – I mean, I'll, I'll say this. I am not one of these guys. Some some guys do it, and I'm not, re- I'm not saying that it's necessarily bad. 
but I'm not one of these guys that can go to the archives and pull out something I've already done like that. Yeah, like a canned sermon. It doesn't work for me. Like I've tried it, and it just never. I like I don't know. It's got to be fresh for me, or I, I'm just I don't know. So so with our normal expository structure, if if you know Keith goes down Saturday night. Gets, He's teaching gets, on right. Gets the flu. Yeah, you just hop in and do hop whatever and you do could, it. even though you haven't prepared for that all week. Yeah, but but the, you know, here's the thing: like we're so the elders, we're we're living in whatever we're teaching, right? In general, right. like I'm like he's doing the first ten verses of chapter four of James this week, so it I have not broke that down to the level that I would have if I was actually teaching it right. this week. But there's enough. I've done enough stewing on it and had enough conversation with him about it that in, you know, eight, ten hours, I could probably do it. You know, that's actually never happened to me, and I kind of want it to. Not that I want anybody to get sick, but I want I want to be like, I want to be able to look at my wife and go, babe, it's go time. Just, it's, I got, I got, I got a deadline, let's go. You know, like, I, I I think my competitive nature would kick in. Rips a bit open there. his shirt. Yes, yeah, like, t-shirt. Yeah, screen printed on it. MVP National Preaching League, right there. <laughs> yeah, turn on Eye of the Tiger or something like that, and just like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all of this is terrifying right now. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go next. I, I mean, it, I would probably do more along the lines of leading a small group discussion, <laughs> since I'm not one of the elders here. Um, and we're we're just chugging through the book of Hebrews in our group right now, so I'd probably try to do that. But if it was more of a topical thing, uh, I don't know. Maybe one of those maybe one of those passages that just you know that I always end up going back to, or something mm. like that. Something like Romans eight or John one, Isaiah six. Sure. Uh, something you know, the you know the uh, the stereotypical reformed guy text <laughs> Ephesians 1 and 2 or I might or I might do uh, one of that verse in Jude if if we're doing uh, small group stuff and then nerd out on textual criticism and talk about how we got the Bible to give to not just to nerd out but for added confidence in the fact that we have we have the original stuff hmm. so what you got John uh, so Matthew twenty-seven had to uh, had to look yeah twenty-seven fifty-one and behold the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. Hmm. I hmm. would preach on that. It is my favorite. Uh, it is probably my favorite. I don't want to say symbolism because it it, it, it something that legitimately happened. Uh, but what that says. Hmm. Go, yeah. go into the go into the history of the tabernacle, the the separation of the holy of holies. I mean, there's so much interesting stuff. They're tying a rope around the priest's uh, waist so you could pull him back out in case he gets sucked into the uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark vortex, and uh, <laughs> you know, and and how when when that curtain separating uh, the people from the holy of holies was torn in two, them because of the merit of Christ, bringing them into the uh, the presence and communion with the Father. It's beautiful. Mm. Beautiful. That was my uh, text for our Good Friday service this year, mm. and I had a lot of fun with it. Awesome. Um, 
the so I normally I favor expository preaching, so I'd prefer just to go through a book. Um, but when I'm asked to guest preach places, I choose um, Exodus four twenty four to twenty six, mm. which is the bridegroom of blood narrative, mm-hmm. um, where boy you go for it, Moses. Um, I preached it twice, and my wife hates it. Uh, <laughs> she asks me not to preach on it, or she has once. Um, and then when I did, she's like, all right, that wasn't as bad as I expected. Not like she expects me to preach poorly. Just It's such a weird and a little grotesque of a text. But, I mean, when I have preached on it, people have responded well. It's a fun text, and I've spent way too much time researching it. I'd love to see someone preach on Ezekiel 23. I, I, that's, you know, that's... Look it up. It, it, it it's it, yeah. Uh, is that the one I think you're referencing? Yes, yes, it is. Everybody, uh, twenty-three verse twenty is is the is the the money moment there. Um, but uh, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's uh, the the meaning of the passage is uh, uh, is essentially 20. selling. Selling yourself to to those lusting after the uh, uh, the wealth and the pleasures yeah, of the world yeah. and the flesh and such <laughs> things, um, and running away from the uh, the bosom of God. But um, I've never actually heard someone preach on that text. And I mostly I would I I wouldn't so much want to see the sermon as I would like the 81 year old volunteer who comes up to read that week's old Testament lesson <laughs> uh, prior, prior to the, uh, that would be fantastic sermon or, uh, that or, that or, uh, I can't find the exact verse, but in Malachi one or two, where God is telling the, the priests, like, I'm going to rub poop on your face. <laughs> like that, that's just, such, that's just such a funny passage. Yeah. Yeah. Next one for us, Brian. Oh, we're getting right. into the Freemasons now, aren't we? This one's a good one. Uh, so this is Ryan Eigel. Can a pastor or his immediate family be involved in the Masonic Lodge? What if they allow certain Masonic rituals into a worship service, which he gives the example of, J- of Job's daughters slash Demolay? It has been a while since I looked at that stuff. Where's my... I, I have to be honest. I don't know much about the Freemasons. I don't either. I, I don't. I think I, they like it that way, huh? <laughs> I think they like it that way. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. I don't even know what that ritual is that you're talking about, or that he's talking. Yeah, about. I I don't remember. I've got a text on uh, cults in America, but I don't. I don't remember where it is at at the moment. <laughs> but I think I think it would be safe to say that. Performing a Masonic ritual in a Lord's Day worship service probably shouldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think I can get like why someone would try to justify it by saying, "Oh, the the Masons are. I mean, we're a uh, we're a Christian organization." Um, when in all actuality, it's generic deism is mm-hmm. is really uh, kind of where that goes. Yep. Um, but I could imagine someone who was brought up, you know, in in the lodge and, and that having some sort of, I don't know, semblance of normalcy would try to justify it uh, or reconcile it with uh, with other things. Um, but rituals in the service, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely not. Um, 
as far as uh, a member, I mean, you're not even allowed to be considered a member in good standing of the LCMS if you're a member of a of a Masonic lodge. Um. So so it's if, at it's at least it. that serious of a deviation that yeah that the yeah. that the that the Lutherans will get on your case about it. You know, you know, I, I'm not sure it's an apples to apples. I loved that movie with Nicolas Cage, though. That was that was great. <laughs> I'm not sure it's an apples to apples, but when when Paul says Colossians two, verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So it, it you know, elemental spirits of the world, um, it's the, you know, the wisdom of man, human tradition, philosophy, empty deceit. I mean, any of these kind of sects and cults and, uh, you know, subgroups or whatever, they've, 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 they've form their identity around things that are extra biblical at best if not anti you know and yep. i think that you there's just um i don't know any freemasons I, I mean i know most of our presidents have been freemasons um and you know and and also a lot of them have claimed christianity but um you know it, it is generic deism and any of that ritual is going to I think you know at best water down what we're what the church gathered is supposed yeah, to be about. It's, it, it's going to have some effect. It yeah. is, I mean, and not good effect. Yeah. Oh, exactly. You know, we've used the it, you know when we've talked about uh, something as uh, seemingly innocuous as uh, a song selection. You know, we've thrown out the lex orandi lex credendi phrase. You know, the the law of uh, oh the law of speaking, the law of believing, or or something along those lines. Um, and that which you say, whether it be in a ritual, in a chant, in a uh, uh, an oath or, or whatever, will ultimately uh, shape, if not wholesale determine, uh, your worldview and, uh, and, and your, your view of, uh, of Christ and the church. Um, yeah, there, there's some definite risks there. Uh, you know, considering the, I mean, there, there are several different uh, sections, or I think they call them rights. There's like the Scottish right, and then, woo, <coughs> 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 buddy. Um, there's like the Scottish right, and then uh, then some other one, um, and but they're like global like global organizations where it's not like boy scouts of america for instance where you have like bsa and then you have your individual councils and then you have your individual packs and dens that are autonomous underneath their charter organization which is often a church and are allowed to be only under as far as a, a faith and belief and confession perspective um, of of what the charter organization uh, confesses uh, with with Freemasons. I mean, it's it's up this pyramid uh, jobber. Um, the uh, so my my son has uh, has uh, well had thankfully 
uh, or probably still does, I'm not quite sure, but uh, a speech disorder called apraxia of speech. And there is a organization in Lincoln called Right Care, which is uh, supplemental speech and language pathology services for kids that struggle with stuff like this. And it's sponsored by the Scottish Rights Freemasons that meet down by the Capitol. And they have a Christmas party every year. And the Christmas party is in the big Masonic Lodge. And you go downstairs, and then there's this, there's this big, like, anteroom. And there's this, above a fireplace, there's this mural. And it has, like, all of, like, it has, like, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and, and all that on it. But in the middle, there's this, there's this pyramid that goes up. And it shows, uh, like, the different ranks of Freemasons. Mm-hmm. And you know, the rights are on different sides, and they all coming out up to like two folks that are like the guys. Um, yeah, it's honestly, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, like yeah, it's it's kind of creepy. I mean, if you just want to spend time with your friends, just go fishing or something. Like I, I don't know, go bowling. I've heard, I've heard the Masons described as somewhere between like the Flintstones Water Buffalo Lodge and like Scientology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> Which is a pretty big gap. <laughs> yeah. I've got I've got the Simpsons Stonecutters theme, you know, song going through my head from when uh, Homer gets wrapped up in that uh, uh, that that lodge there. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. There's a there's a Masonic lodge around the corner from where I live, and there's an evangelical church that meets there. I don't know if they're I'm guessing non-denominational, but but I don't know. Um, that uh, meets there on Sundays, and that alone surprises me enough to be a bit shocked. Yeah. Just remember, even with Freemasons, nothing's ever really free. That's true. My brother-in-law, one guy tried to recruit him, and they wouldn't give him more information unless he gave him some money. Mm. <laughs> and that's where the Scientology Maybe, comparison comes yeah. in, right? Either either that or exactly. Kenneth, either that or Kenneth Copeland's a Mason, and and we just kind of stumbled upon that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so many different directions we could take that. Let's uh, let's hold on to these last two questions from Dustin Beeman and Matt Paragoy. We're running a little long, um, so Brian, thanks for uh, thanks for heading up the uh, the Inquisition this week and for coming on and for providing us with half of our content <laughs> every week. <laughs> of course, thank you for having me. And uh, and since it's episode number one hundred, thanks to Bradley and John for putting up with me for an hour every week. For almost two <laughs> years now. Lots of fun. Over two years, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll leave it there. You can follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. You you know the deal. So you can support the show at anchor.fm. Donate $10 a month to get a pedal. Make sure you email me when you do. Thanks. And on behalf of Bradley, Cody, and myself here at the Westminster of X Doxology Podcast, thank you for 100 great episodes, and uh, here's to 100 more. Thanks for listening.